You are listening to Leaders and Legends, a podcast featuring some of Indiana's most fascinating men and women whose impact has shaped our state, our communities, and us. Join us as we discuss their imprint on our history. Leaders and Legends is brought to you by Veteran Strategies Incorporated, your local veteran business enterprise specializing in public relations, media relations, public outreach, crisis communications, and digital photography. My name is Robert Bain, Principal of Veteran Strategies, former Deputy Chief of Staff to Mayor Greg Ballard, and Communications Director for the Indiana Republican Party. I'm honored to be your host for our discussion. Thank you, everyone, for joining Leaders and Legends, presented by Veteran Strategies Incorporated. This is Robert Vane, your local public relations, media relations, and crisis communication professional here in Indianapolis. Today, we are joined by uh, divergent political buddies, but very close friends and have been for decades, former Marion County Democratic Party Chairman Ed Tracy and Monroe County, as I Correct. recall, yeah. and former Indiana State Republican Party Chairman and furniture uh, dealer par excellence, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Jim Kittle. Thank you both for being here. Glad to be here. Great. How long have you guys known each other? Let's just start that because when I talked to a few people about who I was interviewing today, uh, they they shook their head like we can't possibly make the connection. So why don't you make the connection for the folks who are listening? Ed, go ahead. Um, I think one of my first recollections, you know, we may have come across each other down in Bloomington. You both would die, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I can remember probably through Terry Paler. All right. And I think you were in law school at that time yep. with Terry. Yep. And Terry and I were really close friends. And I think initially really got to know you through him. I think I think. What did, did he do? How did, what was that connection? Well, Terry and I were in law school together and I got to know Terry. I think Terry's a year or two ahead of me or something. Okay. He was a year yeah. or two ahead of me. But they were best friends, and I got to be good friends with uh, Terry and then a, 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 a lot of the Democrat friends. I knew more Democrats then than Republicans, I think. About what year would this be? <laughs> Give the audience a... 68, 69, 70? Yeah, something back in there. Yeah, yeah. And were you uh, always a Republican, Jim? Uh, I mean, 68, yes. 67, yeah. 69, yeah, those I, are tough I, years. I, I, I was... Uh, I was uh, uh, chairman of the Action Party, so I don't know whether that was Republican or not. That was a political party at Indiana University, <laughs> but I did lead. I did lead the blood drive during the Vietnam protests. So I don't oh, know you what did. And when did? You, and that's, as I recall, Ed. Not to jump ahead, just but if there's a temporal connection. Uh, we had lunch a couple years ago with uh, our good buddy Jim Riggs, and you were at the '68 convention in Chicago. Yeah. The Democrat convention. Went there with Jerry Zori and Jim Voiles. And Both we worked the floor. Of mine. <laughs> yeah, we, we worked the floor of the convention. And so what was that like? Uh, pretty bizarre. In fact, we were, went downtown that night and walked around the corner. And right before we got there, we smelled, you know, they had just shot off the uh, tear gas. Tear or, gas. Mm-hmm. And so we just knew enough to get the heck out of there at that time. And that's when everybody went right through the windows on uh, Michigan Street of the hotel. Yeah, they just went right through. Were you chairman then of the Monroe County? Is that why you were there? Uh, Yeah, well, I was up to, well, uh, no, I wasn't. When you were elected chairman down there? No, that was in 68 when we were at the National Convention. And Jim Nicholson, I don't remember that name. Jim, who had been named to the Federal Trade Commission by Johnson, 
mm-hmm. okay, it was a guy who ran for Congress in 66, and Zori and I had worked for him in that thing, in that time, and then Jerry went out and worked for Jim at the FTC, uh, and he was one of the main guys at that convention, so that's when we went up there to help him, and then I went up there because a the guy I was working for at that time, uh, who was Monroe County chairman before me, was Tom Lemon, who'd been mayor of Bloomington three times. I so I went up there and drew, you know, you know, uh, Tom's uh, car up there, and so the three of us worked worked the floor of the convention. What was the first convention you'd been to, Republican? I think, oh, shoot, maybe, well, probably '76, because when I got uh, Kansas City, I, right? I, I really wasn't big in. Maybe that's what it was. I wasn't doing that much. I came back, went to law school, but I loved it. I'd love politics down at IU and everything. And Frick, Dave Frick called me and wanted to know if I wanted to work for a young mayor. It was uh, Dick Luger. <laughs> and I did. So I got involved in his campaigns, uh, his first that we lost and then the second. But then I became chairman of his political action committee and everything for about 10 years when it wasn't a pay to first job. he lost so, the senate so, race in 74 yeah, where he yeah. lost yeah and then we won it and then he won, then we won in, in 76 and then we set up the ground floor was it harkey he yes 76 yeah. then we then we set up the ground floor group that that somebody had to give something that's where i learned that you get people signed up for four years at a time to give money <laughs> so you guys became friends while you were in bloomington and and Kind of hung out a lot, or no, was just, just more knew of a, each a, other down there. Yeah, but then no, we, it was it was after. Once we were here, I was in night law school, and pay, all these guys hung out together. Yeah. Uh, so whatever, and I got to know Ed really well through all that. Yeah. And I I think politically, where we started working together when you had that position with uh, Luger, all right. And one of my earliest clients were all the chiropractors right. in the state. So you know, for those chiropractor in the state, for those who don't know, uh, Mr. Tracy was a lobbyist no. for decades here in the state of Indiana. So your first lobbying client was yeah, was the chiropractors. And uh, Jim had started this, uh, and Luger was very kind to the chiropractors, and uh, I think it had even been a patient. All right. And so when I, um, uh, Jim approached me about whether or not I had anybody who'd be interested in that ground floor group, and I did have a couple of Kairos who then did sign up and get with him. And I think that was one of the, the first things uh, that happened. But I, I think why we could get along and be friends was neither one of us are extremes in our party. Right. right. No question. Whatever I'd call Eddie, he would help me on anything I needed whenever he would call me. Uh, you know, I, perhaps we can go back to those days too, but it really was not uh, warfare. It was almost a, uh, I think the analogy a lot of us draw who, who have the same attitude is, you know, um, good morning, Fred. Good morning, Sam. The old Warner Brothers cartoon where the sheepdog and the coyote or whatever <laughs> clock in and beat the hell out of each other. And they clock out and like, hey, see you tomorrow kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, how much different, we all know it was, we don't want to over-exaggerate the differences. I mean, people tend to look back 40, 50, 60 years ago and think everyone, you know, held hands. That wasn't true. It was bare-knuckle, oh, tough, absolutely. political fighting back then. Uh, obviously, the advent of social media has has changed things considerably. But back when, when the Republicans were so dominant in Marion County, how important was it for you, Ed, to have a friend like Jim to be like, don't worry about that. Let me call Jim. 
Um, I, I think yeah, at that stage of the game, you know, we were completely out of, of everything for a long time, up until the early 2000s. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think we basically uh, did things, you know, for each other. I can remember when my wife ran for judge first time, okay? <laughs> yeah. I put out signs. <laughs> yeah, Jim put out signs, and then he sent stuff to, you know, personal notices, letters to his friends, to mm-hmm. all his buddies, you know, and friends for Becky. Mm-hmm. And, and then I got him in a lot of trouble uh, when he, uh, he and Evan Bayh, Hosted a fundraiser for Louis Mayer and for Mayer versus Steve Goldsmith. Oh, in '91, and that caused him some uh, problems for years. Let's talk about that. I had known Louis forever, <laughs> and talk talk about a fabulous guy, one of the best guys I've ever known. Louis asked me, and I had done Goldsmith stuff forever. Gave him, I ran three fundraisers for him that year. We ran this fundraiser. I gave him five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars. So I'm on a plane with Steve. You gave Louis Mayhern $500, Louis, yeah. right? I'm on a plane with Steve, and he looks at me, how could you have done I said, what do you mean, Steve? I ran three fundraisers for you. I, it's just, I've known Louis forever. He's not going to win anyway, but he's just a great guy. But, but uh, you know, I, I think it kind of goes beyond politics. Louis would have been a great, would have been a great mayor, too. Did, did it ever come to pass, he mentioned something about uh, Goldsmith, but where you got grief? And had, and had people say, how can you be friends with Jim? Especially like when he, Jim, you became chairman of the state party in, was it late 2001 well, or early 2002? <laughs> no. When you got grief, either no. one of you because no, you were No, Ed did protect me when I, was, when I was running, which I didn't know what a state chairman even did when I ran. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew, I, in that race, I started out of 16 votes, I was had one, and I wasn't sure because I thought she might be going to run for chairman too. Mm-hmm. But all sorts of things came up, and Ed really uh, somewhat protect, never said anything bad, and somewhat protected me on there. He could probably tell the story better than I can. Well, I, I just told him that you know, once you get into this business, uh, they will call you everything in the book. They will say you, you know, you've. You've done this, that, and the other thing, you know, from drinking to you name it, and they'll, they'll hang everything around your neck. And as I said, it's a pretty nasty ball game, and you probably uh, in business haven't gotten into this kind of nasty stuff. And so I just tried to prepare them that you get into this stuff, and it's going to get real personal. We're sitting yeah. here, uh, and Ed said some th- Ed did say some things when things came out, and whatever you know, were nice. I mean, he obviously was Democrat chairman or whatever, but uh, you know, he's been a great friend, the same as uh, I am with him. We're here with uh, Jim Kittle and Ed Tracy. So in two thousand, we'll skip ahead to Jim, and then we'll go back mm-hmm. uh, talk about Ed and your time as chairman. Uh, so in two thousand one, you decide after multiple consecutive losses that. The Indiana Republican Party shouldn't suffer four consecutive losses in the gubernatorial races. Evan Bayh, or no Evan Bayh, or Frank, oh, Frank O'Bannon. So you decide to become to run, and then you become chairman of the Indiana Republican Party. You said that Ed gave you some advice or talked to you. Ed, what did you think? Did you think, uh-oh, we could be in trouble because Jim knows how to get things done? Well, I knew he could raise money. I didn't know that he knew how to run a party or not. And... But I knew he knew how to raise money, and that's the basic thing that they needed because, you know, I, I can remember just on an, another side thing when um, I had one cli- several clients who, uh, and as a lobbyist, I had clients who 
gave on both sides. Sure. You know? and, and my job was to get things done for my clients, regardless of my own political you know, feelings. And so I had some clients that donated significant dollars to the Republican Party. And when uh, a new Republican chairman before Jim came in, <clears throat> you know, they, uh, uh, you know, I helped get one of my clients to make his payroll because he couldn't make his payroll when he first started. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you had to, you know, do what was in your client's interest. And that was in my client's interest. And, and I got along, you know, extremely well with Bob Orr when he was governor. I mean, he really, yeah, he, uh, you know, he, there was a major issue for one of my clients, the chiropractors, and we'd had a huge problem candidly with governor Bowen, who he just hated my clients <laughs> with a passion. Doc. Okay. People who don't know, uh, Bowen was, what was he? Uh, I know he's a medical doctor. What yeah. was he he's a, an MD. He was an MD. Right. But yeah. was he like a general pr- practitioner? Yeah. And he just hated the chiropractors. <laughs> and so when, <laughs> When Bob Orr ran, uh, his uh, chief counsel uh, happened to play golf with his chiropractor every Wednesday. And so <laughs> when I went and met with him, and then his driver, okay, at that time, uh, Ken Cochran, okay, Ken's brother was in chiropractic college at the time. So, so the stars aligned. So they all aligned, and, and he, uh, he said, well, what do you want? I just said, you know, I just want the chiropractors to get out from under the MDs and have their own licensing board. And he said, well, what do you want me to do? I just said, nothing except stay out of the fight. And if I get it on your desk to sign it, he said, I got no problem with that. And as a result, then when he ran for reelection, my chiropractor supported him. And you probably encouraged that. I would assume. Yeah, I mean, I told my clients to do what was in their interest. And at that time, so what happened was, and I was Democrat district chairman at the time. But that was in that was a separate thing, you know. I've told my clients what was in their best interest, and they did it, and they held a, held a big fundraiser for them. So the rest of the guys in the governor's office looked at me as pretty pretty friendly. <laughs> Good guy, so, guys like well, guys like Bob Grant, like Grant. and uh, Darlene Sherman, and uh, let's see, Lubbers was yeah. there, and yeah. oh yeah, those guys. Oh yeah, and so mm-hmm. yeah, so I had a good relationship with those guys simply because they knew. I wasn't doing my politics. I was doing my clients' politics, and they respected that. Did you guys ever catch any grief from your own party? Like, how can you be friends with him? Or, you know, you're letting your friendship with Ed or your friendship with Jim get in the way of what you're supposed to be doing as county or party, uh, state party chairman. And if it did, how did you handle it? I just thought it was another business. It's my friend. Yes, screw well, I off. Really, I really did because I was I honestly was more of a finance guy and not as political. And Ed was right. I knew nothing about running a party. This whole thing started after the McIntosh race and we raised twice the money and we got beat by eight, ten, ten oh, yeah. points. And I think we I came to the conclusion anyway that I either ought to stop doing this because it was getting to the point where nobody would return my calls. Because uh, they thought I was asking a, a story, I did the I did the main fundraising for Mutz, and after that was over and we had lost, I sent out an invitation to my 40th birthday party. Sherry did, my wife, and we kept getting replies back. Yes, they'd be there, but they said we didn't see Jim. How much it was going to cost? So I realized <laughs> I'd been doing it too much. So then I I laid out what our attorney general, you're my good friend, ran and got. Uh, Pearson mashed, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, I had laid out, but but uh, 
Al Hubbard got me involved with McIntosh, and I had actually known David forever and supported him in Congress, and we convinced him to run. But after seeing that, I, I learned a lot, and I realized without an effective state party, it would be very difficult for somebody to come in and run for governor and actually do everything the party had to do and everything a candidate had to do. So either we would get a group together, which was the Phoenix group, mm -hmm. and, and reinvent the Republican Party from the outside. I had no intent to become chairman. Uh, I didn't want to be. Uh, but unless we did that, then I was going to start to raise money for St. Vincent's or something else because politics and, and these races are a lot like a one-day furniture sale and you work for a year or two mm -hmm. and if nobody shows up, you know, you're, you're out of luck and I was tired <laughs> of that. So we, we were successful. It just so happened the chairman, Mike, retired, decided to become a lobbyist like Ed and make, and make real money to take over the party. But Ed's right. My, my, really, my whole role was to fund the place. And it was total, I mean, it was, it was we were bankrupt. Uh, the, uh, you know, the chairman did not have a computer in his office. Uh, all you could say is our phones weren't rotary dial. Uh, average <laughs> age was 65, I think, and we had 11 employees. And we had a, one of those old printing machines, I think. Mimeograph so, machine. And we, and we were the fourth floor above Hooters. So that was, so, that, so that's where we, 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 we kind of started. But, Political parties aren't really that big a thing, you know, four, five, six, seven million dollars will run a great party, they just didn't have the money. And you can get caught up on technology overnight at sure. that point in time. So, so really, I came in to raise money, but I brought in uh, some kids and my best friend Fred Clips, so Luke Messer, uh, Jennifer Hollowell. became my executive director. Jen was, uh, was political, Craig Kunkel, mm -hmm. Uh, was was finance. We we brought in a CFO for six months who had been CFO for Galleons because uh, the books had never balanced. We had two lit majors who were handling accounting, and they thought if you <laughs> put it in, it would come out all all right. And our head for it was the funniest thing because the first thing I had to do, we had a head for a head for Spanish or uh, Spanish outreach, uh, you know, uh, and uh, and he couldn't speak Spanish. Uh, I said, what are we, what are we, and, and he was kind of a handsome kid, he was a leather lit major, and the ladies on the state committee liked him, so, so, so we had some re reorganization uh, to do, but the main thing was then just blocking and tackling what any, what any political party, and you know, we, we started the following years, year, and, and the state party had never been involved in mayoral elections, but we knew if we were going to win the governor's seat, uh, we had to have a statewide network. So we picked 21 mayors, didn't know whether we'd win any, well, we knew we'd win some, but didn't know how many we would win, but knew we would put in place. And it, we ended up winning, I think, Jen can tell you, 13, 14, 15, and some turnovers. But where we didn't win up in Fort Wayne, we still had a complete organization. So then when we could recruit somebody uh, that, that had what I said, the, the, the intellectual ability, the political cum, and the business uh, acume mm -hmm. to take a, a state uh, that that was 
uh, kind of at the bottom and bankrupt, bankrupt both financially and from, from folks working over there, because whenever you have a party in, in, in control too long, you, you immediately, and the great thing about Evan is one, he was young, and two, I think Ed would agree, or I think he, he was really outside the Democrat process too. So he came in and bought all these young people like Bart, et cetera. Mayor Hogsett, uh, now Mayor Hogsett. Yeah, yeah. Moreau and all those guys. He brought all of them in, and, uh, and so they kind of cleaned house. But if you're there for 16 years, you run through most of the good people. And you get and you get down to to folks that maybe aren't quite as good. So when you when you when Jim took over the party, uh, did you? I don't know who would have been chairman in two thousand two on the Democrat side. It wasn't Kip. Who was it? No, no. It was, was it Joe Andrew or no? No, no. It was, after no, him. It was uh, oh shoot. Yeah. Anyway, I guess my question he is... He was a great guy. I was a good friend of his, too. Still is. Was Kip the chairman then? No, it wasn't Kip. Kip was chairman in four. I know. Four. Kip, too. Okay. But, but I guess my question is, did you... When Jim took over as chairman of the party, mm-hmm. do you remember telling people, you guys better get your act together because this guy can make things happen? Yeah. You know, and I knew he'd be able to raise money. And uh, that was for... Uh, one of the funny stories, though, <clears throat> when Jim was chairman... Somehow or other, you invited me over. And oh, the state party headquarters. Oh, oh, this is still a, it's a <laughs> yeah. nightmare for everyone who worked there. So go ahead, Ed, because this so, is one of my favorites. So, so Joel Miller and I go over there. And so Jim starts to take us around and show us everything. Well, all of his staff people are trying to block everything so we can't see any damn thing and <laughs> getting in front of everything. And that, well, who was it? That was Jennifer Hollowell. Hollowell was the one who was like, Jim, what the hell are you doing? And, and Jim's then, like, hey, Ed, look at our voter file. Listen to how, look how computerized it is. Who's your chief of staff then? Luke Messer. Luke Messer, yeah. And Luke is just saying, no, no. And Jim's like, no, cause he's my buddy. <laughs> Luke, Luke's office, when we, when we took over those new offices, Luke's was right next to mine, and the seat, the walls didn't go all the way up. So right. Luke, and I actually had the wall moved. The two offices were equal, and I had mine moved over, so his was even smaller. Mm-hmm. But he could hear everything I would say. So whenever I would say something that didn't, he'd say, Jim, you can't say that. <laughs> we had more fun. About, about, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago now, maybe longer, I wrote a article in the IBJ and it was called the the article was basically the Kittle revolution and I before IBJ's forefront and I remember um, uh, I basically said look there's a there's a watershed in modern Indiana politics and that watershed is Jim Kittle becoming chairman of the Indiana Republican Party and I believe I'd have to look it up again but you became chairman I think in 2002 that was your first election cycle And that's when the three statewides won, and you really started to have some momentum. But, or actually at the time, it would have been four statewides because you had the clerk of the courts. But anyway, since that time, I believe Indiana statewide has only been won by a Democrat three times. It would have been by in four, Obama in eight, and um, Ritz in 12. Oh, no, there's another one, Donnelly in 12, four. Yeah. So out of dozens of statewide, where everybody in Indiana votes on the same race, dozens of statewide races since you became chairman, the Democrats have won four. Now, 
I reached out to Ed for this column and said, can we do a quote? And they get your quote with something like, I wish Jim had stayed in the furniture business. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But is, is the potential for all these victories one of the things that drove you to want to become chairman in the first place? I mean, we had won four or five consecutive gubernatorial elections. Evan Bai shows up, beats the incumbent LG, who I think everyone agrees, John Mutz is one of the best people in Indiana history. Uh, underrated, quite frankly. Right. I'd love to have him on the Leaders and Legends podcast, but you're just like, there's no way we should keep losing. So we have to start winning. Was that part of it that you're just like, I'm either in or I'm out. And if I'm going to be in, then I've got to be all in. Well, I think so, because honestly, we shouldn't have lost. Uh, I mean, Evan was uh, an abnormality. This is a Republican state. It's really hard for a Democrat uh, to win. You even saw it in this, uh, uh, the last election. So, and I was shocked that Braun, I thought he was going to win, but I didn't think it was anywhere near that close. Uh, so, Braun, yeah, friend. yeah, but, but, uh, but we should have, so you had to figure out why we weren't. And I think it was a combination of, of, of infrastructure and candidates and making people believe. And quite frankly, when I started as chairman, uh, I would call a major donor. A lot of them I knew from the Luger days, a lot I didn't it would sometimes take me through two or three calls to even get a return call. And once I got a return call, I couldn't close, I'd have to go see him. And I still didn't close and I'd have to wait and call him again. And that's when it started and Marty Rutsey was, Mike Rutz was working with me. And then- Marty Oaks, and, and, who now works for then, the VP. And then Marty uh, was, uh, but by the second, but so yet what you had to do is, is, is sell something, it's like insurance. Uh, you, you don't know you need it until you need it. Uh, and you weren't sure, uh, you know, and you really had no confidence that Republicans were going to do. So I had to sell a, a, a soft vision and ask people for a lot of money and, and get credibility back. That was the main thing. And then the other thing was getting people who knew how to run the ship, which I was very fortunate to get the three kids. And Fred Klipsch did more than <coughs> maybe anybody. Fred <coughs> was my partner in all of this, but Fred went down and he, he taught them how to manage. I mean, he is a management guru right. and he'd come down once a week. We'd have charts and he would do it. So I didn't have to mess with any of that. And if we ever had to fire somebody, Fred would fire them. <laughs> so Fridays, if Fred showed up, it was really a scary. We actually we started our office Fridays with Fred uh, was, was was office. Uh, the, we'd either uh, we, we had our office. We'd go to Randy Tobias's and we, Fred Klipsch is where we put our first Phoenix Group offices in his uh, in his building. So so we just had a great group around us. Fred Klipsch, uh, you're right. An another someone. <laughs> Underrated and a graduate of Howe High School, member of the IPS Hall of Fame. God love him. Um, in the same in the same vein, but take it to the city. Uh, well, but there, one thing I want to mention on the uh, by um, uh, race in this first one. Uh, Nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, a couple things that happened there. One is he knew that the Republicans, because of the institutional knowledge would be able to find out you know, how much money he had. And Evan hid his money out of state when you could do that. And so the his political or personal money? No, this is his political money. His political money. It, yeah, it was kept money. in a bank out of state. And so the Republicans did not know how much money he had, to, and he was able to compete, and they had no and idea. Did he, did he have as much as much? I did the top yeah. dollar fundraising. He had, he had the money, and he kept it out of state, so they didn't know. 
you know, how much money he had to yeah. compete. So, and we were really surprised, I think, that yeah. he won. And then the other thing Not he that did he was get cut he that. ran to the right of Mutz. Yes. He ran to the right of Mutz, especially on the whole— <laughs> On the, the Japanese car. On the Japanese <laughs> cars. <laughs> In Lafayette. Yeah, so he ran to the right of Mutz also. So, I mean, he did a couple things. One, he ran to the right in Indiana, okay? Yep. And then two— he hit his money. So, I mean, he did a couple of very smart political things. And that things. was also and the year that Birch, that— Birch was a beloved guy and a that, great guy. Yeah. That uh, Bush, Bush won in 88 handily. Luger won in 88 handily. And, and Bai somehow won uh, that year. Uh, but fast-forwarding it to 99, the Republicans had won eight consecutive mayoral elections. I think that's right, starting with Luger in 67. And along comes Bart Peterson. What did you think against Sue Ann Gilroy, who obviously Jim has known forever and, uh, and was uh, Secretary of State at the time and friends of Dick Luger? What did you think of that race and like, okay, now's the time? Well, number one, Sue, win, Sue Ann killed herself in her announcement speech. They asked her if she, what, what her vision was for being mayor, and her response, if I recall, was, I haven't had a chance to have a vision yet. Okay. Oops. <laughs> okay, yes. And so, you, what do you mean? You're running, and you have no idea of what's happening. And one of Bart's very smart things that people probably don't realize in retrospect was in uh, the year before that, he went to Julia Carson, and he became Julia's campaign chair the year before he ran for mayor so he went around the whole city and all the you know african-american communities in every place you know for julia so what happened was he nailed that whole thing beforehand and built a relationship up with julia and the you know african-american community very quietly and nobody ever understood that he had put that relationship together so when he ran he had already established his bona fides in the black community beforehand. Were you county chairman then? No, I, I came in the next year next after, year. as soon okay. as he was elected. Laudig was, right? Laudig was Laudig. the chairman, but I did the GOTV on that. We're sitting race. here, leaders and legends, with uh, former political party chairman and decades-long friends, uh, Ed Tracy and Jim Kittle. I think it's universally, I mean, despite what happened in 2007, it's pretty much universally dis, uh, believed that Bart Peterson was a pretty darn good mayor. Did a lot of really good things, and I don't know that anyone disputes that. We talked to Greg Ballard uh, for this podcast, and he had nice things to say, acknowledged a lot of the things that, that Bart Peterson did. In 2007, he loses to someone who I, quite frankly, there no one knew, and I say that of someone I love, and, uh, but nobody knew who he was. Looking at that race, looking back, do you think it was winnable for Peterson or it was just the perfect storm of taxes and crime and all the above. If I had been chairman, he'd have won. Mm-hmm. And the difference I, I think made. I, th- I think he could have won. I think the taxes thing uh, probably was the biggest thing because there were a lot of people in the city when their taxes went up. Well, uh, but there were two issues that happened. One was the state tax. Okay, the property tax. Property tax, and the other one was when they increased the other tax. The low it. The yeah. low it. Which came in in October of that year, with the first time it came out of people's paychecks. But the exact same problem that Bart had here, Graham Richard had in Fort Wayne. Okay, because Graham had mayor exact, Fort Wayne. He had the exact same kind of a situation with a, a place just like Meridian Kessler. All right, 
where the property taxes went crazy, all right? Graham got out in front of it and just said, this isn't the mayor. You know, this was the state legislature and the governor that did this. And so Graham never got any heat on this whole thing. He put the blame on that particular issue where it belonged on the state. And candidly, I think what happened was there was a little bit of arrogance, okay, in the down here, and they just were so far ahead, and they didn't think that they had any competition that they didn't get ahead of that issue. Well, and he had I, beaten I Greg Jordan by almost 30 I thought points. the Republicans thought that, uh, that uh, he was so far ahead, yeah. and I think he was so far ahead, uh, and I think maybe a different kind of campaign. I think the other interesting thing, it'd be great if we just went back to mayors. Uh, mayors are honestly less political, I believe. And they really, one, they have to get something done, generally. And two, they have to work with all of the coalitions. So we've got, and Indianapolis has been blessed. When you look at the mayors we've had and what has happened in Indianapolis, you go up to Fort Wayne, you, you've got Tom Henry. You have a great Democrat mayor up there who is taking Fort Wayne and doing stuff that we did in Indianapolis. I, I, we've got a great Democrat mayor, I think, in Kokomo. Uh, oh, good night. Is yeah, a good dude. yeah, yeah, great guy. Republican mayor in Evansville. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so mayors tend to get things done, and when you get above that, it 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 uh, either they either state legislator can't do a lot anyway. I don't know, but you don't get as much done. That's why we believed, I believe that even if we had the entire state legislature and we always had all the Republicans, we would never get anything done unless we had a transformational governor because the House and Senate weren't ever going to get anything done. Whoever was governor, probably. Uh, so having a Mitch come in, who is a transformational, like a Dick Luger, uh, I believe, kind of governor, and then you, set a, then you set a course that as long as people don't really screw up and get off that course, you know, your state's going to probably pretty well run. But the legislature does not seem to... Uh, well, that actually was going to... You led me perfectly into my next question. Talk to us about recruiting Mitch Daniels to run for governor in 2004. He was an executive at Lilly. He was working for the Bush administration. He had a resume, you know, as long as Wilt Chamberlain's arm. He was financially secure. He, you know, had four, as I recall, four, has four had four young daughters. So uh, what was it like for, for you to try to pull him into the to maelstrom and say, look, we've lost four in a row? Now you've got Kernan to deal with because of, you know, the tragic much death stronger, of, of... Much stronger, much stronger yeah. guy than, than what Frank would have been. And he couldn't have run uh, anyway because yeah. he was into the second term. Yeah, and then so Kernan, Kernan had announced was, he wasn't going to run. I know, which was wonderful. And then O'Bannon dies, unfortunately. So yeah. Kernan becomes right. governor, decides then he is going to run. Right. And so, but what was it like? Take us through to the extent you can saying, Mitch, we need you. Well, Mitch was part of the Phoenix group and the vision because he knew he wanted a, a Republican administration. Uh, but he was heading off to Washington, which was great. He's very, very loyal. He was very loyal uh, to Bush. And, uh, and, and originally, Mitch was not going to be our candidate. He was certainly an advisor, but we set the Phoenix group and everything. But, but when, we, uh, when the, the one person we had really considered uh, uh, might run decided he for sure didn't want to run and secondarily wasn't sure he wanted to be governor, <laughs> uh, so we were kind of we were kind of SOL at that uh, uh, at that point in time. So that's that's when a group of us, uh, Hubbard, uh, Tobias, uh, Grand, whatever, uh, started to approach Mitch. 
And I think the, one of the reasons Mitch, and Mitch wouldn't agree until he got certain things done with the president, and he wasn't going to agree anyway. Uh, and we went out there four different times to go to dinner with him, of which he never paid for one. He had a <laughs> but we'd go, we'd go, we went out there. He was a government employee. Met, met with him four, yeah, four different times to, <laughs> to, uh, to convince him. Uh, you know, but, but uh, fortunately we were able to, because I don't think, I'm not sure who would have beat Kernan except for Mitch, and we didn't win by a landslide. So I don't think, and Mitch ran a campaign that was so unique, and now people are copying it, but I don't think you can copy because you're not willing to sleep in a farmhouse or the barnyard, which he did. Uh, so I felt if we were going to do this, we had to have somebody first that could win, and, I'm, and we had some other really good people who wanted to run, but I'm not sure any of them would have beat Kernan. Uh, it's great a uniquely great popular candidate. person great in candidate. his background. War hero, mm -hmm. you know, a great guy. Mm -hmm. So Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so I'm not sure any of them would have beat him, and there was no reason to do this if we weren't going to win. And I think we needed a unique person, and I think Mitch turned out to be uh, to be that uh, to be that person. If everything, if all the stars were aligned. Were you surprised when he decided to run? I mean, did you pay much attention to statewide politics because you were uh, working so much in the city? Did it matter to you one way or the other? Oh, for sure it did. Yeah, and uh, uh, it, you know, especially uh, you know, if you were a lobbyist and you had the relationships, you want those relationships to continue. I mean, that's from a business side. Uh, you know, and politically, uh, you know, for sure you wanted to. And, and Kernan was, you know, a great guy. And everybody, you know, really liked, liked Joe. And so uh, you, you wanted it to happen. And, uh, and, and everybody worked hard, you know, raised a lot of money. And it was a very competitive race. It was a very yeah. competitive race. So <clears throat> after losing four consecutive gubernatorial elections, Kittle's, Mr. Kittle here is fed up creates the Phoenix group with people like Fred Klipsch and others, eventually becomes um, state party chairman of the Republican Party. The Democrats have now lost four consecutive gubernatorial elections. So Ed Tracy, who, uh, if there's someone who knows any more about politics, is any smarter about politics for either party, uh, I don't know who that would be. Ed, what's your prescription for the state, state Democrats to stop the losing streak? Well, I think that they've... Uh uh, I mean, if you take a look at this last Senate race, um, I, I, I'm, I still think that you've uh, maybe got to really be who you want to be. I Were you surprised by the, the margin? I mean, Ed, Ed and I have lunch frequently, <clears throat> and we talk politics <throat> with Republicans and Democrats at the Golden Ace. And the Golden Ace should actually sponsor this podcast. Yes. I just <laughs> haven't asked them yet. Were you surprised by the margin, by Braun's margin? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact... Fox News even had uh, him up by seven points. Donnelly. Yeah, had Donnelly up by seven points. No, we thought it. We we thought it was. <clears throat> we thought it was pretty much dead even. We kind of thought Braun uh, would win, but just but barely. And then obviously we were, uh, you know, uh, we were all at, we were all at dinner together. Right. And that's right. Clips and yeah. Grand and uh, for Grand's birthday that mm -hmm. night, I was shocked. I was running the IPS referenda, so that was the race I was really paying attention to. But, but sorry, so, go, go ahead. I mean, obviously there's something that the Democrats don't know about polling uh, the president's numbers in Indiana. 
Okay. President Trump's numbers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some that something. Was. Yeah. So obviously, um, there's. And we didn't either. Republicans didn't know either. Obviously, we didn't. When I say we thought Braun was going to win, I would say it was by a whisker. And mm-hmm. I, you know, Ed probably th- uh, thought Donnelly was going to win by a whisker. You know, against well, the- there were, a lot of Democrats got upset, especially with his ad on the wood chopping. Mm-hmm. Okay, when he, in essence, told a lot of the hard left of the party uh, goodbye. Right. Okay. And that's your volunteer base. That's your that's the people correct. who make the phone calls and knock on the doors. Yeah, and the Bernie voters. Right. Okay. So he he uh, an awful lot of po- folks got upset with that. A lot of folks got upset with him going along with the wall. Uh, so there was a lot of people got upset with that. But he I mean, didn't vote against Kavanaugh, though. So I mean, he, did- he voted for Kavanaugh. But I mean, you still have with the wall. I mean, there's still a lot of you know Latino voters here. Right. You know, and why, why why would they go ahead and be for him when he's absolutely trashing them with the wall votes? But it's in a Republican. It seems to me it would be a, it was an easier task. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jim. We have a few minutes left for someone to come in like Jim and rehabilitate the Republican Party at every level, mm-hmm. including candidate recruitment in a Republican state than it would be for John Zodi, who is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Is honest, nice, kind. I think he, he he's in a tough spot. But it would be tougher for a Democrat to come in and try to duplicate what Jim did for the Republicans because Indiana is a Republican state. So you can't exactly use the same formula, but it doesn't mean you can't use kind of the same energy or ideas. Well, That's kind of what I'm getting at with I, you. I think we're a little bit back. <coughs> Excuse me. I can remember I was on the state committee uh, through the 80s. State Democrat Party Committee. Party. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hadn't won anything, you know, for like 16 years or so at that stage of the game. And I can remember knowing that uh, <clears throat> one of the things that we did to try to uh, even the playing field, the state committee, because uh, everybody, this was a time when the PLP license plates were a huge issue because at that stage of the game, the county chairman in every county got the franchise to run the license plates. And in Marion County, that was a half million dollars a year. Because I remember hearing that the, in the old days, which now would be the 80s, I guess, <laughs> unfortunately, the Marion <laughs> County Republican Party gave the Indiana Republican Party money. Like the money didn't flow from the state to Marion County. It flowed from Marion County Republican Party to the Indiana Republican Party. Correct. That's how flush Bulin and those guys Yeah, were. I mean, those guys would give like a quarter of a million dollars to the state, and then the county chairman got a quarter of a million dollars. Because, <laughs> no, because he got to run it as his own private business. It was a good deal. Okay, yeah. Bob Orr changed that all. Uh, well, what Why happened did? was the Democrat State Committee wound up making that an issue because we're sitting there preserving it because a number of, of the county chairmen are hoping that we win so they can get the license branch themselves. And then finally we convinced everybody that's what's keeping us from winning is <laughs> they've got all the damn money. Okay. So what we had to do was we took a position against it. And in the legislature, we started pushing it. And then the Republicans had to get on board because we made it that big of an issue. A populist issue, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. One other election I want to ask. That was not you. very popular among Republicans. I remember Gene Northerner mm-hmm. was tasked by Bob 
to run the BMV and all that. Mm -hmm. When they took all that away, I guess. Now, I wasn't involved yeah. in that level of politics at all, so it didn't make any difference to me. But well, we've talked about but at the same time. Go ahead, go ahead Ed. And, and back to your thing as to what it takes to win. I can remember thinking that, you know, we as a state party and candidly looking at the other members of the state committee at that time uh, had no capacity ourselves to do anything to change the dynamic that was going on. And I knew the only way it was going to happen, <clears throat> there was going to have to be some new source, someplace coming in that was going to be a savior. And candidly, that was Evan Bayh. That was Evan Bayh who came in and was a political saver, you know, for the Democrat Party. Because I would time. imagine you've known Birch Bayh for yeah. 50, 60 mm -hmm. years at least. Yeah. And I remember my mother, I actually remember my mother crying, um, crying when Marvella your birth? died. No. no, I don't remember my birth, but uh, I remember that. I mean, the Bayh, you, you have to be of a certain age to understand the hold that Birch Bayh had on this, this state. Uh, and for, for good reason. I mean, he won, I mean... He had the fortune of running up against Luger in 74 during the <clears throat> Watergate elections, maybe in a different cycle. The outcome could have been different. Uh, but what, that's, and actually, that's one last election I want to ask about. Um, 1980, Quail beats Birch by Ed, what did you think about that? I mean, it's a great year for Republicans, 1980 was, but for Birch by to lose in Indiana, shocked? I, I think that, you know, he, he was for sure in his voting records very liberal. And uh, he was able to pull that off simply because of his, you know, personality and his, his uh, folksiness in Indiana. Uh, and uh, I think that the, there's, I can remember it was a strange feeling. A lot of people still wanted him to be the U.S. senator, but they wanted to send him a message that you're a little bit too far to the left. Mm -hmm. Well, they sent him too strong a message. <laughs> I mean, honestly, there was a lot of feeling like, like that, that people just want to send a message. I, I think if, if you're in a minority, and unless the cities, because, because the Democrats are gaining in all the cities, so I, I think the only way for the Democrats to win, and they're not going to win anything down, down ballot unless there's just a terrible backlash against Republicans, period. Because down ballot, you don't vote. Nobody knows who's lieutenant governor even. So the only thing I think they can really win, and of course they started it with evidence, Secretary of State, which is about the only place you could maybe get a foothold. But I think they need a hero, and I think that's what they had. I think it would be a, 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 an abnormally, if they don't have a hero uh, to run, uh, I think they'll. I think they'd have a very uh, a real problem. I think well, Eric Holcomb is doing I very think, well. I think, and I think Governor Eric Holcomb. would be extremely difficult to beat. Uh, one, he's tall. Uh, two, he knows everybody. He's been on the ground sure. more with Mitch all the time. So I think unless you can come up with a, a heroic, a heroic figure, and get lucky, and have in the next presidential election. If, uh, if, if, if Trump runs and, and got killed, so he just came in even in Indiana, because Trump really is the one that carried us over uh, in this last election. There's no question about that. <clears throat> do, you have, um, um, do you have an Ed Tracy story you want to share? And I'm getting ready to ask him the same thing because you guys have vacationed together, as I recall, uh, yeah. and spent a lot of time together Mexico, as friends. All, all kinds of things. 
No, just Ed and Beck, and I knew no, Ed before Becky even. We've known each other forever. You know, we just had a lot of fun. Factually, I, I think people who are somewhat in the middle will sit and agree. Louis Mayhart and I can sit and talk. It will probably mm -hmm. agree on 98% because there's just right things to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just mm -hmm. easy. I think if you get to the fringes, you're just not going to agree with anything, etc. And And uh, Ed and I, uh, we're just, we like to travel. We like to do some of the same things. So that's mm -hmm. on a personal basis. It's just a lot of fun. Ed? Um, <clears throat> no, we've, we've just had a lot of fun together. Uh, had a few cocktails over the years. Stepped on a cat. You got to tell me. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to clean this one up. We're we're down in Mexico and we've uh, in a bar and we've uh, uh, there's I think three couples and uh, and Jim sitting there and uh, 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 espousing uh, something about how wonderful uh, uh, Mexico is and really enjoying Mexico. Uh, except for certain things uh, which don't need to be named <laughs> and uh, and all of a sudden he stands up and he's just expounding on things more and more next thing we know there's the screeching going on and I mean it's just 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 gone crazy and then everybody's looking around and looking at Jim and he's still talking and everything, but there's a screeching going on and and I looked down and I said, Jim, I said, you want to stop the screech? I said, what? I said, you're standing on a cat's tail. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and the cat was attacking, but the chair leg was in the way between he and the and Jim, and so it was attacking the chair. Attacking <laughs> Not Jim. It spared Jim. Oh. So as soon as he lifted his foot, things calmed down quite a bit. We're here with uh, Jim Kittle and Ed Tracy, longtime political. Uh, <laughs> Friendly adversaries. Uh, we're at the end of the podcast. We always end the podcast here, legends and leaders, with the same five questions. So I'll we'll ask a question, and then uh, uh, I will alternate the answers, okay. and they're harmless. Trust me. So what was your first car? Start with Jim. Uh, Chevrolet, a red Chevrolet Monza with a 98-horsepower engine. What year? And glass packs. Uh, it would have probably been when I turned 16, 60. I think it was the first year Monzas came out. I don't even know. I can't picture that. So they, you have to. They were supposedly the most dangerous car ever built. Worse than the Pinto? It, well, it may have been, too. Ed? It was a 52 green Pontiac. You buy with your first job or? Yeah. Just... Yeah. 250 bucks. <laughs> okay second question we'll start with ed what was your first concert boy i there were uh, that's hard to remember uh because you know growing up there really weren't concerts but like in college time. where you bought your own ticket not where your parents took well you i mean i went in the service so i came back so i missed an awful lot of that because i was a lot older when i in came the navy back. you're in the navy yeah i was in the navy um, I mean, one of the first ones was here in town here when I saw uh, Frank Sinatra here. About what year, you think? Oh, that would have probably been in the, uh, uh, probably in the 70s. 70s. Yeah. Jim? Had to be at IU, but I don't, because uh, that, you know, there weren't really concerts in the, in Indianapolis, so it would have probably been down at uh, IU at the auditorium. I don't have any idea. 
uh, uh, Mayor Ballard's response was also down in Bloomington, Sly and the Family Stone. Oh. (laughs) Which is the most astonishing answer yet. Uh, If you could recommend any book to your friends to read, Jim, what would you recommend? Younger Next Year by by, uh, Conley and uh, whatever. It's, It's a lifestyle book that will change your life. It's not a diet or anything, but it's just kind of, and it's not religious really, but it really is a lifestyle book. And I've given it to a lot of friends. I just read it about five or six uh, years ago, but that's a odd pick probably. Not at all. Actually, he gave that book to my wife and she lives by it. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, Becky exercises at least six times a week and does everything and, and has followed that. So Jim and Sherry sent us that book after we had dinner one night, and, and she swears by it. Well, good, and she's getting ready to retire from the bench. Correct, yeah, um, this, she's got two more days after today. For you? Uh, mine, and I've given this to a bunch of people, and it's Peter the Great. The Massey book? Yes, it's just phenomenal. I mean, if anybody wants to understand Russia going back to 1700 all the way to today, you read that book and you tell the Russians there's nothing you can ever reason with a Russian, okay? <laughs> they, they do not reason. The only thing they understand is muscle, and the only thing if you ever want to do something with them is, you know, you just don't want to deal with them. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll just try to take everything that they can and push everybody as far as possible. There's no reasoning with them. It is all about power. And that's everything. And that goes back to 1700. And I think, uh, yeah, Robert, Robert Massey, he's a noted uh, European historian, but has written several books on, on particular on Russian history. I think Reagan understood that. Like, you got to stand up to these people or that's the only, that's the only that's language right. they speak. Yeah. If you could witness any event in history, Ed, and I know you're a huge history buff, uh, what would you choose? Probably the uh, Constitutional Convention. Great answer. Philadelphia 1787, yeah. as yeah. I recall. Yeah. Jim? I can't go to things that are are, uh, are trite. But, you, can uh, answer, you can answer it any way you want. Uh, I don't know. There's just so many. Anything in your personal life like you wish you had witnessed? Would you like to have witnessed Ed getting tear gassed at the 68 <laughs> convention? <laughs> the convention, no. No, that's great, though. I don't have a good answer for you. If you could, last one, uh, if you can have dinner with anybody in the country, anybody, excuse me, if you could have dinner with anyone in the world right now, who would you choose? Just to sit and talk for two hours. You could give Mitch Daniels another chance to buy dinner. Uh, that would be good. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get uh, dinner. Dinner uh, uh, bought. I'd spend time with Dick Cheney. I went. I know Dick somewhat. I mean, better than a lot of people. And I went to that movie yesterday. Oh, did you see? Came it? out. Yeah. Deep. Is that what it's? No. Yeah. Yes. Vice. 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 Mm-hmm. Vice. And it. And in my mind, it was a lot like uh, uh, the Book of Mormon. I, I, I just thought, it, I, and I walked out of the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I thought it was just so disrespectful and everything. And I know Dick Cheney, and I know Bush. And, I mean, it was just so far over 
uh, that uh, that you know I just uh, Republicans don't usually get a fair shake. Well, but but I, I I don't think it had to be that way to be the what's his name played Christian Bale. Christian Bale. I mean, talk about talking like Cheney and looking like Cheney. I mean, he was great, uh, but I just think they you know took their there's you could say if you're ever going to be well generally if you're not vice president you're not going to have that kind of profile. Uh, but you could you could take apart anybody as you know now they are Mike Pence and whatever. Uh, but Cheney is was a really good guy, and I you know I don't agree with everything they did, uh, but I just thought it was uh, you know too much. Yeah, and I I don't know that it needed to be, and I th- I th- I think a lot of people will see it, but I think it'll turn people off. Ed, yeah. dinner with anybody? Uh, maybe the Pope. Do you have some ideas you'd like to, some thoughts you'd want to let him know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He must be a heck of a vote counter. I mean, yes. you know, winning Pope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I think uh, one of the things I respect about <clears throat> Jim is just his opinion on, on the Book of Mormon. Because, I mean, Jim has been pretty courageous in the Republican Party on some issues like on the gays community. Yeah, we had a lot of conversations, <clears throat> didn't we, Jim? Yeah, and, and Jim has been very, very courageous uh, in his own party in terms of uh, really taking some uh, positions on issues like that that were not necessarily popular and uh, got some heat for him, too. Yeah. Well, it's it's a tremendous honor, actually, <clears throat> to sit down with two guys from two different parties, actually uh, different generations than me, and I cannot thank <laughs> you uh, way beyond just this podcast uh, for your personal friendship. And you know that when it comes to anything you need, you guys both have a blank check. I'm very honored to be friends with both of you. Thank you very much for listening to Leaders and Legends, brought to you by Veteran Strategies Incorporated. If you want to contact us about this program or our menu of public relations services, please send us an email at robert at veteranstrategies.com. That's robert at veteranstrategies.com. Robert at veteranstrategies.com.